Hello and welcome to this episode of Little Bits of Stuff, a podcast that showcases different health-related topics for medical professionals and non-medical audiences. This show is brought to you by Nick Ate, a surgical resident at University College Hospital, Ibadan, Nigeria. And here's your host, Nick. We're talking about the scapel in this episode. One of the oldest surgical instruments used even today is a scapel, that is, a surgical blade with a handle. Long before using metals in manufacturing, parts from various flora and fauna were used in making incisions during surgeries. From time immemorial, several tools have been used in place of the surgical blade to include shells, fingernails, especially during infant circumcision, bamboo, and sharp teeth for venesection. A little bit about the history of this scalpel. The first recorded circumcision was carried out around 800 BC using stones such as flint or jade, whose edges have been modified sharp. In 3000 BC, obsidian knives were used or were found in a Turkish settlement which history suggests were used in brain surgeries. In 400 BC, Hippocrates described the first scapel in surgical use as a machiron, spelled M-A-C-A-I-R-I-O-N. This word is derived from machaira, a Lacedaemonian sword from the time. Roman medicine followed in the footsteps of Hippocrates and they were particularly proficient in making cutting instruments around 260 BC. The similar instrument was named as Calipalus or Scalipelus by the Romans which were modified into the present day word that we use as scalpel. For a long time after this, Surgical knives with one straight edge and the other a sharp cutting blade were used. Surgical instruments were manufactured by cutlery houses and with poor hygienic conditions and the same knife will be used repeatedly. The concept of asepsis and sterilization led to more changes in the material and structure of this scalpel. The modern surgical scalpel with a disposable blade was inspired by King Gillette's invention of the safety razor in 1904. Morgan Parker patented the two-piece scalpel with a handle and removal blade in 1915, which provided stability whilst still being used or being able to exchange blades between uses. Scalpel blades were most often exchanged with fingers or other surgical tools such as forceps. Scalpel handles, known as the Bad Parker handles after Morgan Parker and his business partner Charles Rosel Bard, they were the founder of the Bad Parker Company, which developed a cold sterilization method to prevent the dulling of blades that occurred during heat sterilization. Most surgical scalpels were made of nickel or chromium-plated carbon steel until about 70 years ago. 
stainless steel took over as it, as, it, as it was a harder material which was resistant to corrosion. Uh, modern evolution has polymers such as uh, chromium and diamond coating to improve the sharpness of the blade. Today, surgeons are still using the two-piece surgical scalpel. There are over 30 varieties of scalpel blades used and the bad pucker handle also comes in various sizes which we'll talk about later. There have been various safety scalpels which have been introduced in the past two decades though surgeons report that they still prefer the stainless steel traditional surgical scalpel. The use of forceps or fingers to remove scalpel blades is still a shocking trend in hospitals which can contribute to about 1,000 scalpel blade injuries each year according to statistics. To, to combat scalpel blade injuries, operating rooms are recommended to combine a hands-free passing technique with a single-handed blade remover system you know, to uh, reduce this risk. Now let's move on to the types of blades. There are several types of blades which, with different sizes and shapes which are labeled with numbers depending on the surgeries to be done and location of the incision. Each of them has a compatible backpacker handle and maybe we should quickly talk about the handles. The handles are numbered based on their size and um, their different sizes and there may be different variations of a particular size to accommodate for a different type of blade or a different type of incision or surgery. The most common ones are the uh, handle numbers 3, 4 and 7. I'll place a description of um, an image of this on uh, my blog so you can take a look at it after listening to this podcast. Handle number 3 is compatible with blades 10, 11, 12 and 15. We'll soon talk about the blades. So, handle number 3, blades 10, 11, 12 and 15. Handle number 4, blades number 20, 20 21, 22, 23 and 26. Handle number 7 is compatible with blades 10, 11, 12 and 15. So there's a trend here. Handles number 3 and number 7 are compatible with blade numbers that are smaller, meaning the 10, 11, 12 and 15. While handle number 4 is compatible with blades that are, you know, of the bigger, higher numbers, 20, 21, 22, 23 and 26. Now, the handle number three is the most common handle used in making incisions. It has a most of the um, backpacker handles you've seen in surgeries are handles no, number three. Um, a subtype of uh, handle number three is the 3G, which has a graduated scale present over the handle to measure to measure structures. Another subtype of the handle number 3 is the number 3L, which is a longer version of the number 3. So you have handle number 3, compatible with blades 10, 11, 12, and 15, has two variations, 3G and 3L. 3G, G, to remember, graduated scale, G, graduated scale, 
present over the handle to measure structures. I'll just uh, skip to number seven so that you, you can easily associate it with number three. Handle number seven is compatible also with blade 10, 11, 12, and 15. It is long and slender and it is useful in making incisions in deep and tight spaces. So the handle number seven is more or less a longer version or a long three, a long uh, handle that is compatible with blades which handle number three will also handle but when you want to reach you know uh, deeper and tighter spaces and make incisions it's better you use a longer handle to do that handle number four compatible with blades 20 21 22 23 and 26 is similar to number three but has a larger tip for accommodation of large blades so like we said, the higher numbers, the larger blades. It also has a 4G, and as you can guess, G for graduations, along with the handle number 4L, which is a longer version of number 4. So G for graduations, L for longer versions. You may want to confirm this. I am not sure that is why they named it G and L, but that is how I'm coding it right now. <laughs> so number 4G has graduations. Uh, anything that has G has graduation, graduations L longer version. So 3G, 3L, 4G, 4L, and so on and so forth. Now onto the blades. The anatomy of the surgical blade is such that it has a cutting edge and it has a spine or a non-cutting edge opposite the cutting edge it has a, a sharp tip and it has a slot for this scalpel handle the sharp edge can also be known as you know also has a belly the unsharpened ridge which is at the opposite side of the sharp of the um, cutting edge is the spine and then a slot. Now, um, there are common blades that we use uh, or we see, some of them not too common every day. And um, uh, we, I'm going to try as much as possible to make a very good description of this, although you can still find this as a blog and the images accompanying it uh, on my website. Uh, so if you don't get this straight through this podcast, you can check uh, my website and you'll see the descriptions with the images. So um, the blade will start with the blade number 10. Uh, a, the edge of the belly is round and is usually used for cutting tissues. Now, the trick to remember these blades, um, the belly of the number 10 is round almost like a i mean it goes round and has a curve you know like maybe the half of a number zero or number zero and uh when you see it there's also the one of the most common blades uh, um, um, available used for cutting tissues and uh, when you see it you just you know know and then from that uh roundish uh, belly that it has uh, you can easily associate it with zero which is also round and that is blade number 10. 
Blade number 11 on the other hand is straight pointed. It has an end that almost looks like a triangle but you know have it two sides. If you look at it like an a, the cutting edge like a hypotenuse you can almost draw a proper one with the cap and the uh, uh, base at an angle of 90 you know on it is usually used for stab incisions like in abscess drainage you know because of its pointed tip so it has a pointed tip almost the shape of a triangle when you look at the topmost part of it and that is blade number 11 so if you draw a one if you look at it it looks like a proper one that is drawn so uh one 11. blade number 12 the edge is curved it's almost like a you know semi-lunar something it's almost like a um a sequel really it has a curved blade okay that curve if some people use the inner curve you know um to mean like it has a number two you know written on it like the the curve of the number two uh but it, it really is easy to recognize not commonly used uh the surgeons can use it to make incisions in inaccessible areas uh it's, it can be used in uh, tonsillectomies you know things that you need to get around stuff but still be able to cut uh uh, things so to cut tissue uh, or make incisions at inaccessible areas where you need a curved instrument so uh it, it almost looks like i just recognize it by you know something that looks like a little bit more like a like a sequel so it's easy to uh recognize that way then there's this there's, there's um the number 15 blade um almost um a little bit like a small version of a number 10 like it has a very short um cutting edge with a non-cutting edge uh, with a slot taking over most of the length of the blade uh, i'm sure you you must have seen it but uh that's the blade number 15 okay some people use that small cutting edge to look like a like a number five when you draw a number five over it, it just fits a little bit so it has a, it's more like seeing a number 10 that has a short very short belly okay and the the whole length the remaining the remainder of the length is almost like it's a number uh i mean like it's just the whole slot that is taking the, the the remainder of the length so it has a short belly that's the number 15 now blades number 20 21 all those ones with the higher numbers they're more or less like a blade 10 but just larger in size so they're usually used for cutting soft tissues covering large distances during the initial skin uh incision and so on and so forth so there's 21 there's 22 uh number 26 is much more like a number a bigger version of the number 11 okay and um which other ones uh so 20 21 22 23 more or less like number 20 like number 10 just you know bigger in size uh and there's not so much uh difference between them so those are the blade uh, numbers uh, that are available so the smaller blade numbers 11 12 15 10 remember 
can be used on handles number three or handles number seven just so we recap the handles again so how is a scalpel used oh before then maybe we should talk about um sharp disposals for um blades um blades needs uh, blades being sharps needs to be discarded carefully an attempt must be made to segregate them as soon as their purpose is completed they must be put in a white plastic container with a black lid which should be sent to the incinerators the handles may, may be reused after adequate sterilization there are several blade removers available we talked about not removing with your hands even forceps we're talking about a single handed uh, version of the blade remover nowadays and there are so many innovations out there um i'm wondering why hospitals don't use them yet most of hospitals i've been to in nigeria do not use these uh, blade removers and um, i honestly don't know why uh, maybe I'll check the prices. Uh, maybe it uh, has to do with um, funding. Um, if you know why, you can put a comment up on this podcast. I don't know. And if you use a sharp, a single blade uh, remover system, a single-handed blade remover system in your center, uh, you can also put up the comment and then uh state which particular one you use and your center so we can know at least these things are being used uh in my own center i have not seen one <laughs> so i can't really say uh we use one uh, so you have several types this one mutton blade remover unit uh, has been in use for almost nine years now a very very good innovation it has a system a box um, I mean, um, it has a, uh, a blade. I think it's it's uh, double-handed. I can't remember now. Then the, my personal favorite um, that I've seen online a lot of times is the Click Smart Blade Flask, uh, which is a single-handed blade removal system. You install it. You can install it in your operating rooms, and um, it qualifies the 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 removal system itself qualifies as a sharp container, which can be disposed of. So you finish using your uh, scalpel, you just slot it in and it, you know, you hear a click, it removes and then you remove the handle and the blade is gone. Simple, easy, no use of forceps, no use of um, your fingers or anything like that. Okay, there are smaller versions of the quick smarts, uh, blade removal systems. There's the quick, quick smarts, um, click smart uh, blade single. Then you have other ones like the Hugh Freddy uh, scalpel blade remover. You have the scalpel blade remover by PD Medical that is double-handed. You have the Mopec uh, Onyx scalpel blade remover also. So there are several of them uh, available. I've I've checked these online. They are available for um, purchase so there's i don't think there's an excuse about um, it not being available uh, i think we may not just be uh, using it for one reason or the other again i don't know so um the use of this carpel so this carpel as said before is used in making the incisions one of the first and the essential instruments used in the operating theater 
it can be held in different ways based on the type of um, incision uh, needed um the ways to hold the scalpel are um, several ways the palmer grip the pencil grip there's the fingertip grip there's the stab grip okay now the palmer grip i'll also put a put an image up on my uh, on the blog description of this podcast and uh, you can also go there to check the images and uh, the descriptions what i'll also try to des- um, describe it as much as possible the, in the palmer grip, it is held between the thumb and the middle ring and fifth fingers with the index finger over the upper border of the handle. So the handle lies clutched in the palm and this grip is used while making incisions on tough tissues. A peristal elevator uh, is also held in a similar, similar ma- manner and the, the movement in this position arises from the shoulder. While a pencil grip is held as a, you know, just like the name implies, a pencil, which is used in making small, precise cuts, you know, where the handle lies uh, over the palm. The position, I mean, the movement in this position comes from the fingers while making fine cuts. The fingertip grip is a modification of the palmer grip where the scalpel is held with the fingertips and the handle lies you know, under the palm. Here, more length of the blade lies in contact with the skin, while, you know, hence, you know, it's used in making long incisions. And then you have a stab grip, you know, which is a modification of the pencil grip, where the scalpel is held at a 90 degrees angle to the surface of the skin. And this position helps in, you know, maximum, allowing maximum control over the uh, penetration of the surface now you can take advantage of all the grips there's no arbitrary commitment to a single scalpel grip depending on what you want to do at that particular time you can select the appropriate one you know by weighing the advantages and the limitations uh, of um, what you of what you want to do at that um, particular at that particular time um, just you know to talk more about uh, the the scalpel. Now um, we've talked about the different types of grips. Uh, okay, so there's there's also a, a backhand of the pencil grip, which is um, it allows a change in direction uh, by an angle of um, 180 degrees. Also, although the, the disadvantage of this is that the scalpel is held at a 30 to 40 degrees greater angle than other grips, it diminishes uh, cutting edge contact and decreases the depth and direction control in making uh, long incisions. So, uh, what are the methods of incision when you know using the scalpel? There are usually four motions of the scalpel's uh, cutting edge. It can be press cutting. It can be slide cutting, can be sawing or scraping. And we'll quickly talk about each of them. In press cutting, the direction of pressure is the same as the direction of the motion. The, the, is the same as the as direction of the motion of the blade. Meaning more like you want to make a stab. So with press cutting, 
The wounds are well controlled in length and direction, but depth control is really not precise. So with press cutting, because we'll be making these uh, um, differences as we go along about the length, direction, and depth control as either advantage, disadvantage, and things like that. So with press cutting, the this length, direction, and you know this control of length and direction, but depth control is really not that precise. So in making a stab stab wound depth control can be improved by exposing a limited amount of of knife blade by using a finger such as the middle finger as a bumper and by resting the knife hand against the patient um, on the on the operating table so um that's for press cutting and um the the salient thing to know here is that the the direction of pressure is the same as direction of the motion of the blade and you have length and direction control but no uh but no depth control let's just put it that that way for slide cutting you know we mentioned press cutting slide cutting sawing and scraping for slide cutting this, the cut is made by sliding the finger, I mean the knife blade, on its cutting edge while exerting a sub-busting pressure on the, on the tissues. So the motion is at a right angle to the direction of scalpel pressure. So in terms of depth control, it is more precise since the busting pressure is never exceeded. Now, the depth is determined by the amount of sub-busting pressure exerted, the length of blade distributing the pressure, and the resistance to cutting of the tissue uh, tissue being incised. So the lighter the pressure and the more knife edge in contact with the tissue, the, the shallower uh, is the cut. So you have accuracy of depth control, you know, you have more precise direction and length control. And this makes the sliding cut one of the most uh, applicable um, scalpel uh, motions. It, it just combines all three in appropriate uh, proportions. So uh, remember, in the press cutting, you have control of uh, control of um, uh, uh, direction and um, uh, control of um, uh, pressure. I mean, control of length and control of direction, but in but there's no control of depth in slide cutting you have everything that you want in one place so in sewing it is merely a to and fro a push pull slide cutting and allows the cuts to be continued deeper than a slide than a single slide cut you know without the need for removing and inserting the blade into the wound scraping is the cutting motion done by exerting a sub-busting pressure while moving the scalpel perpendicular to the edge of the blade and the direction of pressure. So scraping will not cut the layer beneath the knife edge. It is a precise way to separating layers of tissue without the hazard of buttonholing and that easily occurs with push cutting or even slight cutting. So the 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 uses can be in preparation of uh, skin flaps or 
uh, separation of fascial planes. So, when using the scalpel to make incisions, there are several things we need to uh, think about. One, we should plan before cutting. Two, stabilize the skin during execution of an incision. Three, depth control of the incision. Four, you have to watch your incision and then the direction of the incision and then the attitude of the knife blade during skin incision. So before you cut, you need to plan uh, and establish the, the, the starting point and the, the end point of your, of your incision and the patient should be in neutral position. You establish your landmarks and your skin crease or some you can go ahead to even you know use the pen the, the skin pen skin marking pen you know to give you your orientation before you cut now to cut in the desired direction um and smooth out the uh you you, you can smooth out the surface of the skin by, by stretching the skin you know tightly and this is stabilization of the skin during execution of an incision Okay, so in most cases, the surgeon should be the one touching and stretching the skin during an incision. If surgeon uses an assistant to help place tension, the, the surgeon may not have an uh, accurate measurement, you know, of what he's doing in his head, in, in his head at, at, at that time. And then may, there's a higher chance or a higher probability that you you may not make uh, accurate as accurate incisions as when you tense the skin of course yourself of course this uh, depends on the surgery and depends on you know what uh, is being planned at that particular time so uh, it is said that the surgeon can accurately know that his incision is going straight when he exerts tension in his thumb on one side and his fingers on the opposite side so it helps to prevent an on i mean to prevent distortion of the surface for incision it's popular saying that if you can't see the cutting edge of the scalpel <laughs> you are operating by braille that is you're operating um, uh, blindly and this is uh, because of um, several forces that you create when this you apply tension on opposite sides of your incision with your thumb and your um, other and other fingers and these vectors which can be lateral vectors and longitudinal vectors help in creating an undistorted surface for you to cut uh, through but it gets to a point when you cannot see uh, the the you cannot see the knife blade edge I mean the knife blade edge is no longer visible at this point you should stop the cutting and then reposition your assistant hand so that you can create um, a new vector, new vector lines longitudinally and laterally to help you make accurate incisions. The depth control, um, we all know how to make, you know, a better, I mean, how to have a better you know, depth control depending on how you uh, um, make your cuts. Okay, so, um, uh, cut the, the recommendation is to cut completely through the skin in the first pass of the knife blade it assures the best possible perpendicular skin edge 
foreclosure. So be bold in your court and be, be intentional about it. Okay, so to assure pre- proper debt control, use a slide court. Okay. Um, uh, where to watch? Um, for, for when making incisions, um, you have to also focus your, your, your attention on the incision behind the scalpel as you are also watching where you are going to because um it's it's more like while driving a car you watch where you're going but while making an incision you also watch where you have been so as to enable you to focus and you know continue in a straight line if you're trying to make a straight line you know or whatever type of incision you're trying to make at that time you need to know where you have been to know the adequacy of what you're doing and to be able to judge where you should you know go next so um, for direction, when a minor deviation from the preconceived direction of the first part of incision occurs, deviation to the or deviating to the opposite side or the opposite way to correct it may at times compound the problem. So it is recommended that if it's not going to change the outcome significantly, you there may not be a need to deviate completely from just in you know in trying to correct what um you have done so far so keep the uh, in terms of attitude of the knife blade during skin incision it is better to keep the uh, scalpel blade perpendicular to the skin surface okay and not you know perpendicular perpendicular to the floor you know some um other surfaces um at this point i think um i've talked a lot and um it will be better to there are so many things um to talk about and in fact some may crucify me for having not talked about some things but this is supposed to be a short episode and um we're way past time already so i'm just going to stop here if you have comments you have contributions you have feedbacks uh, please leave a comment uh, on my website www.littlebitsofstuffwithnick.com uh, and the comments would be addressed almost immediately. As a uh, podcaster, as a doctor and as a Nigerian citizen, I'd also like to lend my voice to the NSAS campaign and to also say that it is bad, it is um inhumane uh it is wrong to treat citizens in a way and manner that they do not deserve and this affects us all this affects us indirectly directly and in every way possible live rounds live ammunition should not be used on protesters or people that are on the streets trying to press for their rights and i mean support of uh, I'm, I'm not in support of using force uh, for removing people from the streets while trying to protest for their fundamental uh, human rights uh, that will be all for this episode tune in for more in the next episodes uh, there are also other episodes uh, if you're just uh, joining my if you're just uh, listening to my podcast for the first time and um, I'll um, 
enjoying you to also check those episodes as the thyroid smackdown part one and two and so many other episodes that you can binge on a while on my website thank you for listening it's bye for now and that's it on little bits of stuff for today please subscribe to our podcast on itunes or google podcast you can also get it on audio mac and youtube Follow us on Twitter at Lil Bits of Stuff. That's L I L B I T S O F S T U F F. And on Instagram at Little Bits of Stuff. That's L I T T L E Bits of Stuff. Until next time, stay healthy.